The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Sports from the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. I do want to apologize. I believe that I missed last week, was not able to do a live show, so I felt like I cheated the audience out there. Those of you who have been very loyal supporters, I, I certainly appreciate it. Um, we here at Voice America have been able to do some amazing things in a very short period of time. Uh, millions of people come in each week, each month, I'm sorry, millions of people uh, listen in and tune in to the Voice America Network to hear what we have to say. And I certainly appreciate that. And um, so I do apologize for not being here last week. But uh, I wanted to make sure there was no doubt in my mind uh, that I would be here for this show today. Um, today is the last day of which uh, I have an opportunity to to do a show uh, that I'm going to dedicate as as my black history show. And I was hoping to have a special guest with me today. However, he was not able to make it. Um, and I I was probably too late in trying to, to book him. But uh, there is a, Derek Higgins has a, uh, a movie documentary out there, Third and Long. I think everybody should have. I should take the chance to to watch that piece. It's an outstanding piece, and um, it's, it's it's special to me. And I hope you get a chance to 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 watch it. But what I wanted to do is, uh, as I said, this is this is this show is, is special to me. Uh, it's special to me for a number of reasons. Um, most important reason why it's special to me because, as I said, it's going to be a a show about black history and particularly about the role that sports played to a lot of young men because I'm still young I still consider myself young <laughs> uh, but when I was a younger man the role that sports played in, in my life and what sports did for me and most important is the black men that I saw participating in sports gave me hope, gave me something to dream for, gave me something to aspire to one day be, and led by example. Many of you know I'm married to a lady from St. Louis, Missouri. One thing about Missouri is the show me state. And one thing that's very important for an athlete in order to, to learn and to perfect his sport is somebody has to show him how to do it. How to do it the right way. 
That's why, different than many of you out there, my approach has always been to the things that Charles Barkley used to say about not being a role model. I always agreed with Charles that he was not a role model in the areas of which people were trying to force him to be a role model in. But in a space of which he had excelled and far exceeded the expectations of those who thought that he possibly couldn't be great because he was a little shorter. They called him the round mound rebound. But if you look at Charles, he really wasn't that big. It was that he was bigger and stronger than some of the other small fours, power fours, if you will, uh, that played in the NBA at the time that he did. But what Charles was great at and one of the best to ever play the game was basketball. And so, in my opinion, if you wanted to become the best power forward, small forward out there, then if you're looking for someone to show me how to do that, that's where you turn to Charles Barkley. That's where you turn to Charles Barkley to try to duplicate, replicate his skill set. Try to duplicate the performance, his performance on the basketball court. Now, you don't know a damn thing about what he's doing off the court. What kind of example is that? It's like going in to take a test, having none of the information, the teacher looking at you, expecting you to ace the test, and that teacher never gave you any information. Teacher never, it could have been a spelling test, never gave you the words, never, you know, you're young now. Never taught you the definitions, never taught you how to sound the words out, how to spell the words, and expected you to come in and perfect it. The show me part is missing. That, that's, that's the part that, with Charles, I never understood why people felt as if Charles Barkley was wrong in what he was stating. He was simply trying to get you to redirect your focus on me and shift it to somebody else who is right there in front of that individual. They can reach out and touch him. They can hold that person accountable. You can't hold Charles Barkley accountable for what he says in terms of how you should raise your children. Never felt that. So for me, growing up in the 60s, a product of the 60s, and particularly 1968 rings out in my mind because Dr. King was killed then. And, and sports was something of which for me, I, I was able to latch on to sports in my neighborhood because there were people that were older than me that were in high school. I may have been in junior high or grade school, but they allowed me to participate. And they were there to show me in the event that I made a mistake because I was on their team. Now, there's a young man out there who may be listening, but I asked him to call me and give me his number. I'm calling him a young man. He's older than me, but he's still young to me. Because I, I wanted him to participate in this show. Because it was for me when I was a little kid and he was a little bit older than me, a couple years older than me, maybe three, four, maybe three. But I made a tackle on him. And, you know, when, when you're a kid and you play football, you say, okay, the next person, next team that scores wins. But, you know, like they do now in college, one team gets a chance to score. If the other team doesn't score, you know, the game's over. And it came down to that play. And because he didn't call in, I'm not going to mention his name. 
preacher. <laughs> yeah, he's preaching the gospel now, but I'm not going to mention his name because he didn't call in. He knows who he is. You would all know who he is as well if he would have called in. But because he didn't, I'm not going to mention his name. But I tackled him. I was three years younger than him. All the guys on my team ran up that were older than me, grabbed me, made me feel as if I had done something special. I'm 52 years old now. I, my playing days are over with. I still remember that. It was that feeling I got of I did something. I mean, I was the little guy on the team, but I tackled the big guy on the other team. And I watched somebody else make tackles. And so I, I just did it. I just threw my body out there and I did it. But I was able to do it because somebody was, those big guys were there. They were showing me how to play ball. They were encouraging me to, to take a chance. You go out over there and everybody's going to go this way. We're going to throw it to you. I might have dropped it. But a few times I might have caught it. A big guy came out and they said, well, Ray, you, you got you to gotta make a tackle too. We're not the only one. And I was the only one there in place at that time to make that tackle. And so that, something small, but that's, that's big. That, that was big. Because I, as I said, this is 1968. Dr. King got killed and I'm playing football. And I'm on the playgrounds and I'm making tackles. And then a few years later, of course, I, you heard me talk about Muhammad Ali. I want to talk about and give credit to, to a living legend. He's still alive. He's still the greatest of all time. In fact, Muhammad Ali said, you know, he called himself the greatest of all time before he became the greatest of all time. But he knew he would become the greatest of all time. Got a great picture of him hanging up in my house. One of the probably a figure probably bigger than life for a lot of people, certainly at the time. But here was a man that not only was he a great athlete, he was a man that was willing to stand up for what he believed in and willing to stand up for a lot of other people who would not stand up. And why is it important for, for us to even talk about sports in black history and those who participated? Because I just feel as if sports is one of those things that can help Perhaps maybe heal the wounds. Many times, you know, there'll be racial divide, but when it's game time, we're all there rooting for the same team. And I kind of have this thing I like to say. The pain of the scars may subside. But the history of the pain will live forever. And Muhammad Ali continues to live. And as he continues to live, of course, the pain of the history still lives in him. He, he remembers, I'm sure, the 1968 Olympics. You know, it, it was a time where, again, things were tough. In sports, it, there were teams that some teams black players could play on and, and other teams you couldn't. Muhammad Ali would get in the boxing ring and, and in this country, it's our history. We can't forget about it. We're constantly reminded about it. But if Muhammad Ali was fighting, and if he wasn't fighting a black guy, it appeared that the, the blacks would be rooting for Muhammad Ali and the whites would be rooting for the white guy. Whoever that might be. That's just, that's, that's the United States of America at that time. That's our history. We can't forget that. We're not going to forget that. We document that. But it would give you a sense of pride if you would go to school the next day and Muhammad Ali won. Thank God he won all the time. Except when he fought Joe Frazier. 
Joe made him, you know, might have beat him once. But th- th- those are some of the things that back then, so you watch Muhammad Ali, he was there, what I do? I, how did Muhammad Ali fight? How did he box? That's what I learned how to do. I wanted to box like Muhammad Ali, so of course I went to the Camp Police Boys Club. And, and thank God for the Camp Police Boys Club. Here's the history of the Camp Police Boys Club. It was integrated in the 60s in Canton, Ohio. Blacks, whites, everybody could come there. What we didn't know is the sheriff was Jewish. We never knew that. Why? Because Jews were discriminated against too. And a lot of times you'll find out that the Jewish struggle, you know, different than the than the black struggle, but similar in many ways. But a lot of times, Jews and blacks were there together. They struggled through things together. They helped one another. Yeah, sometimes they didn't get along. And, 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 and many blacks felt they were oppressed by Jews as well. And history shows that to be true. But now, in today's society, many of the teams, the sports teams are owned by people of Jewish descent. And, and, and sports, again, Jews and blacks must have somehow decided to come together. In sports, Jews and blacks and whites decided to come together. In sports, Jews, blacks, whites, Italians decided to come together. It's, it's such a beautiful thing that we, we, we're not going to forget it. We're going we're to continue to talk about it. And I, I just want everybody out there to know that there's a generation of people today that are playing sports that may not even know. They've seen pictures of Muhammad Ali. They don't understand what Muhammad Ali went through. They don't understand why. Yeah, the pain of the scars, mm, it may have subsided. The pain from the scars may have subsided. But the history will never, never die. So we're going to continue to talk about blacks and sports a little bit more on the other side. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Muhammad Ali. I'm going to tell you about some other guys that I watched in my generation that inspired me to be the best that I could be on the basketball court and make the best decisions on the football field. And guess what? It didn't stop there because there were those who came through our schools and I got a chance to shake hands with and they told me, get your education. I hear a little music in the back. I guess I got to take a break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. My black history show, our history show. Come back. We'll be right back. Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise 
Denver, especially at 1 to 2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. To hear that music, you know the show. You're Mr. Railroad Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And again, this this Black History Show is just from my personal perspective. Um, I can tell you things that I lived through, and that's what to me is should be so appalling to so many people out there. To, to, here's a man who's 52 years old, and the things of which I experienced and I witnessed. Muhammad Ali is, is, is an athlete that is just tremendously important to this his, to the history of this country because of, of the sacrifices that he made. Yeah, he was a loud mouth. That got, his, that got your attention. But his mouth and, and how loud he was might have got your attention. But then once he was able to pull you in, he had something to say. And so it was not just the fact that he just you know, was running his mouth all the time. It was a substance. There was there was some substance to what he had to say. And Muhammad, Muhammad Ali, who used to be, and this is how you can tell the difference in age. Some people may not know he was Cassius Clay. And he said Clay was the slave master's name. He so he, he renamed himself Muhammad Ali. And a Jewish man acknowledged the fact that he was Muhammad Ali and he would call him that. And that was Howard Cosell. Those two had a really good friendship and respect for one another. And Muhammad Ali wanted to bring a message not just for himself, not just for for black people, but for all people. You know, and, and the civil rights movement. Of which Muhammad Ali was a very essential and key figure in God bless Rosa Parks for just saying no. There was later a campaign, I'll say just no to drugs, but she said no to giving up her seat. And of course we know that's where the Montgomery boycott, bus boycott started because of that. But Muhammad Ali, he, he used the platform of sports to garner support from people like Bill Russell, uh, you know, Jackie Robinson, he, you know, he had he had Bill Russell was there as I as I mentioned, Bill Russell was there, Oscar Robinson was there, Kareem Abdul Jabbar was there. There were many people that came to support him. Now they weren't there all the time, 
But there were various times Jim Brown was there to, to stand by his side to say that we, we're all on one accord. We agree with you. They, they knew that it was just, just years before that some of them couldn't attend certain colleges and universities. I'm going to give a shout out to Joe Namath. Th those of you out there, there's a special on TV about Joe Namath. And Joe Namath talks about being at the University of Alabama when, of course, the, the first black student came through the doors. Joe Woolley was from Pennsylvania, and up north it was a little different. And, and he was pleased to see that. Of course, that was a young lady, so you know Joe, you know how Joe's reputation was back in the day. But, but let me go back to Muhammad Ali. This was a man who was willing to sacrifice everything he had to make things better for all people. See, that's the thing about Muhammad Ali. There was so, so much racial tension. Now, he stood up and he was voicing things were wrong, particularly for the way people were treated in the black community. But he felt that things were wrong the way a lot of people were treated in this country at that time. He felt that it was wrong. So what did he use his platform? Of course, he won a gold medal in boxing for the United States. And what did he do? He threw it in the river. He, he didn't feel as if he should wear something. He didn't feel as if he should represent a country that didn't represent him. He didn't feel as if he should go to a war to fight for a country where he couldn't even drink out of the same drinking fountain as his white friends. His boxing, his managers, if he would travel, Muhammad Ali being a black man, his managers in his, his corner being, being white men, they could not eat in the same restaurant. He would have to go around to the back door. But they wanted to send him to war to die for a country would put him in jail just because he was black. That would hang and kill people just because they were black. Now, this isn't about hanging and killing. This is about black history and how black athletes use their status to try to change America so that America could become the land of the free and a home of the brave. That, that's, what he was, that's what he was fighting for. And he was successful. It took, it, it took Muhammad Ali a lot of time. He sacrificed a lot of things. But it worked. It wor he was right about a lot of things. And that's one thing about this country that makes it, the spe you know, it's the country, it's, it's very special. It's different than any other country in the world. People want to come here for a, for a reason. And that is, in the event that you think that you've been wronged by a person or by a corporation, or even by the government. You have a right to challenge them in a court of law. Other places, particularly at that time, you couldn't do that. But the United States was built on the fact that it was the land of the free. And so all men would be created and treated equally. And so if that's the case, that's, those are the kind of sacrifices that men like Muhammad Ali was willing to make. Now there's some other men that took some strong stances too. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, his name was not always Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He used to be Lou Alcindor. He grew up in Harlem, New York. A basketball player. Obviously stood out. The man was seven foot tall when he was in high school. I think he was 6'10", 6'11", when he was in high school. Ended up being 7'2". One of the greatest centers that ever played the game. But he too would speak out against 
racial inequality. And, and, and these are some of the people that felt as if, how can you root for me on the basketball court? But yet and still, my friends and my family are, are not welcome at the same place of which I'm welcome. Are you only, am I only accepted because I'm an athlete? What about when I'm no longer able to run up and down the basketball court? What about when I'm no longer to entertain you in the boxing ring? What about when I can no longer throw the football or make tackles? Do I have no purpose for you anymore? Am I a commodity that has no value any longer? So you're just done with me? Those are the things that, that will never be forgotten. I'm from a, a city called Canton, Ohio, and you all know that. And I'm having a problem because there's a man out there, a politician by the name of Kelvin Fisher, who, who reported on Facebook that the poverty level in Canton, Ohio, is somewhere around 80-some-odd percent, 50-some-odd percent of kids live below the poverty line. 80-something percent of the household or the kids are hovering around that poverty level. Something has to change. Something is not right in Canton, Ohio. I'm sure if you check with the population of those people that are living in that poverty level, it's, it's African-American children. Things have to change, and things can and, and will change. Many times, again, the athletic platform is used to bring about change. That's what Muhammad Ali did. That's when he stood up and, no, I'm not going to war. We've got, we've got to change some things on, on this side of the waters. And we want, to, we want to thank him for that. So Muhammad Ali was a different kind of role model than Charles Barkley was. Charles Barkley was a role model that showed you what you should do on the basketball court. Muhammad Ali crossed the line and got into politics, civil rights. He was showing you and giving you an example of how you should right a wrong, how you should go about it systematically in a nonviolent way, but to hold the government to its truth, that all men are created equal. It's a land of free and the home of the brave. You can work anywhere. You can go to school anywhere. You can eat anywhere. You can say what you want to say. You're free. And those are the things that, now, when you talk about role models, I think the role needs to be clearly defined. I think that's the problem with some of the athletes today. We don't have the Muhammad Ali's today. We don't have them. We don't have the Jim Browns today. We just don't have the Lou Alcindor's today. We don't have the Jackie Robinson's today. You know, I thank God for a lot of those men, all those men, because I don't know if it, if it were me and I had to stand up at that time, if I had the strength, that's hypothetical. I'm, I'm saying I don't know. I'm not going to tell you, yes, I could have. We didn't walk in those shoes. We don't know what they went through. But we know they were successful, and they did it. As just as I was in church Sunday, and the pastor told us, hey, you know, you, you're survivors. Your genes are from those who survived. It's in your blood. 
There were many that did not survive. Many ancestors of generations of generations, it was cut off there. I guess I got a survival gene in me, and I, I plan to pass it on to my family. And I have, and I'm sure they will. Whatever the struggle is, you can succeed. It's all about making the right choices and the right decisions at the right time. And when it's your turn to step up to the plate, because I'm about to change this thing now, and I'm going to talk about the current athlete, because the athlete of yesterday's generation, in terms of black history, delivered on everything that that black athlete needed to do. Charlie Sigford playing golf just said, just let me play. I can play. Shout out to Renee Powell. God bless Mr. Powell. First to own a golf course, 18-hole golf course in the United States of America from Canton, Ohio. First family of golf. First time I ever picked up a golf club was at Mr. Powell's golf course. But, but, but certainly Charlie Sigford said, just let me play. Just like Nike says, just do it. He said, just let me play. Because if you let me play, I'm going to show you that I can play this game as good as anybody out here that's competing. But you got to let me play. That is what, and that is how the doors were opened up by black history, by black players. Because when they got a chance to play, they performed and they were good teammates and they excelled. And that opened up the doors for the athlete of today. But see, the athlete of today doesn't go back. He doesn't skip generations. He goes to the generation before him and maybe the generation before that. But they need to go deeper in the history to understand the sacrifice that were made by some people. Many of them aren't on this earth anymore. But if it were for them, I would have never got a chance. And some of the athletes today would have never got a chance. So what is the athlete's responsibility to do today? I want to tell you a little bit about that after this break. <laughs> I want to tell you what the responsibility of the athlete is today to continue the history of blacks in sports, black history, our history. Listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of American Network. We'll be right back after this message. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. 
You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And this is Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and this is my Black History Show. Uh, this is from my experience in my lifetime, just some of the things that I experienced. In um, th- as I said earlier in the show, there are some things that that happened during my lifetime. Some people who stood up and were very bold did some things that perhaps maybe I'm not sure I could do. But there's a generation, there's a time for this generation, and there's a time for for my generation as well. And you certainly know that I'm not going anywhere. So it's like until you, you expire, you can't say your work is done. As long as you're here on this earth and you still represent a group of people. Now, you can't say that everybody, you represent everybody. But the bottom line, if anything ever happens to me, Nobody knows who the hell I am, right? <laughs> but the headline will be former Philadelphia Eagle, former Cleveland Brown, former Ohio State Buckeye. So I do have an affiliation of which will be forever a part of me and I will be forever a part of it. And so I have an obligation. And, and, and it has an obligation. It has, the brand has an obligation to stay strong and sustain itself so that there will be more people that will come and participate in the game. And those who are part of the game have an obligation to honor and respect the game. And those who have been a part of it and who are still a part of it as a former player have to bring some dignity to it as well and show people what it's like after you leave the game and how do you contribute to the game. So first let me talk about the athlete of today. There are many athletes today that remind me of the old cliche. They pinch running, but they think they hit a triple. They on third and they running home like they hit a triple. Somebody else made that happen for you. And I and I think the athlete today, many times, it's hard for them to understand a struggle that they never witnessed at all. Never witnessed. They're from a generation of $100 sneakers. They don't know anything about $9.99, $10.35 with tax. They don't know anything about that. Well, they know about Chuck Taylors because the shoe is still around. But they don't remember when you played in Chuck Taylors, when Chuck Taylor was the best shoe on the market. When you would play with Chuck Taylors, have holes in the bottom of them, just put a couple pair of socks on, you'd still be okay, still got some traction. When you wore the same shoes to school, after school, gym, Playing games in them, playing on the court, playing on the playground. One pair of sneakers. You didn't get a different pair of sneakers every game. 
certainly didn't get a new pair every time a new pair came out because for the longest time <laughs> it was the same sneaker. They didn't change it much. But the players today who, who some of them, there's a great percentage of players out there. That, man, they got it down packed. They know exactly what they want to do and how they're going to get it done. They have a plan. And you know the other cliche, fail to plan, plan to fail. But there are young men out there today who are looking for opportunities and who want to make a difference, who want to step up and perhaps maybe be the Muhammad Ali's of sports, who want to impact and leave something positive on the game, who want to use the game to change society. That's what sports is all about. Sports can do that. It could be a war going on somewhere, but when it's time for the Olympics, it's peace. When we go to, listen, I know, listen, why is it that all of a sudden there's peace when the Olympics come around? Every now and then somebody may do something really stupid during the Olympics. But we can at least agree to compete. I don't even know if I ever want to say that man's name from Germany back in the day, but I know Jesse Owens humbled him. You know, sports has a way of making you look at things from a different perspective, particularly when you think somebody is inferior to you. You think that one, because of the color of their skin, is inferior to you. So therefore, they don't belong in the same stadium. They don't belong in the same arena as you do. The athletes today are different. The athletes today, they've been in, in a, an environment that has been very diverse. Very few times are, are people going to schools where they don't, that may be a classroom. I know my daughter sits in a classroom sometimes when she's the only, she's the only black student in the class. But there are black students. The government and the armed forces don't have to walk you into school anymore. See, some of the, the young men that are playing today, the African-American men, the black young men that are playing the game, they don't understand that sometimes, guess what? In order to get into the school, in order for your bus to arrive to the stadium safely. I even remember back in the day, we had a police escort, not because of the fact that there were blacks on the bus and, you know, we were being harassed, but we had police escorts. They have police escorts today. But see, that again, that's a triple that they think they hit. And when indeed they had nothing to do with the police escorts today is to get you through traffic. The police escorts back in Muhammad Ali's days was to get you there safely alive. Yes. And so today's athlete, today's athletes should respect the game. They should pay homage to those who played the game before they did. They should do everything they can to respect the game. So as Coach Lovely says. They can leave it better than they found it. That's what makes me feel so good about my experience as a professional football player. I went on two strikes. I went on two strikes to make things better for all players. It wasn't about a segregated league when I played. That was generations before me. But they made it better for me that I could play into an integrated league instead of a segregated league. And that I could go in and negotiate just as much money as the next person. Or at least I could try. And so that's what we did. And so today's generation of players that are staying in these fancy hotels who are making all this money and I'm happy for them. Those are sacrifices that, that we made. 
I saw on TV the other day, this past weekend, Brian's song. Brian Piccolo and Gail Sayers. Now, Pig died at the age, I think, of 26 or 28. Gail Sayers is still alive. If I'm 52, Gail got a couple years on me. But they were the first black and white roommates together for the Chicago Bears. This isn't like ancient history. This is black history. This is our history. This is changing of America. But the thing about it is the fact that black history is, is our history. Because as, as, as things change for blacks, we got the support of a lot of our white friends. And they weren't just saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a good Christian guy. I got some black friends. These were people that were sincere, men and women that were sincere about the respect and the dignity of, a, of another human being. And sports accomplished a, that for a lot of people. It brought it to the realization for a lot of people. So today, these young folks that are out here, and sometimes they don't respect the game the way there are people who who respect the game in a different way. The older a person is, they may be, they may have some ways that's hard for them to change. Just as I say there was significant change by African-American men and women in sports, and some of them are still alive, you have to understand that there are some people that resisted the change, that didn't embrace the changes that were made that are still alive too. So as we continue to move forward to have to bring the game to the world with more diversity and more inclusion from all aspects of the game. There's a generation of people out there that didn't want that and that don't want that and may be fighting against that. But we're not going to let them win. That's one thing about a great athlete. And the athletes today, they compete at a level. They're bigger, stronger, faster, jump higher, run faster. I agree with that than a generation of athletes before. But what they want at all times is they want to win. They want to win and they want the best players on their team. Don't care. Black, white, green, purple, blue. Best players. These athletes today that are coming up, many of the, the young black Athletes have been brought up in a complete different environment than the generation of athletes before. They were some of them have been brought up in the suburbs. They live well. Those stories where you hear about, uh, you know, the young black man. He's from a you know a single family home, and you know nobody in the family was ever educated. Nobody got more than a sixth grade education. You know, five uh, you know people in the family are homeless. Those stories, no. There may be a couple of those stories out there, but the athlete today is a different athlete today. The athlete today has benefited from the sacrifices of the Muhammad Ali's, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, the Gail Sayers. And, and, and the black athlete today should pay homage. I wanted to repeat that because he needs to pay homage and respect and honor to those who came before him. Because if they did not stand up and take a stand, the salaries that you're making today, you wouldn't make them. You'd be playing for a fraction of what you're playing for today. Hell, you don't even know if the leagues would be integrated. You don't know that. Somebody had to stand up for that. And they did. And so today's athlete, 
Today's games, they're entertaining. People, everybody can go to games now. We can all sit in the same stands. We can all get popcorn from the same stand. We can drink from the same fountain. We don't go in the back doors. Things have changed. But I'm going to tell you what I think the new athlete of today, particularly the African-American athlete, needs to do to make sure that he lets people know that he appreciates the change, he respects the change, and he's going to do everything he can to respect the game. I hear music. I got to take a break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice American Network. This is my Black History Show, and we'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. This is my Black History show. And so now I'm going to tell you what I started to tell you last segment, but I decided I'd wait to the end. What is the contribution that the athlete of today, the black athlete in particular, should be making to society? And my goal out there is to influence them to collaborate on their efforts off the field. There's no doubt about it that, that Muhammad Ali was fighting for things, for civil rights, for all people in the 60s. And here it is in 2012. And some of those same issues are, you know, borderline, you know, achieved. But some things have been left to the point where there's still a lot of work to be done. And certainly when I talked about the poverty level in the city of Canton, Ohio, that's amazing to me 
I just don't understand it. I've been away for a while, and I need to maybe I need to go back and get a better understanding, get more information, and then come up with a solution. But athletes have the solutions to a lot of our problems that, as they relate to jobs, careers, employment opportunities, harmony, family. Athletes have a lot to do with that. If you think about athletics. There's very few times when you go to an athletic event where there's, it's a joyful event. It's entertainment. Now, some people may leave there somewhat disappointed because their team didn't win, but it's good entertainment. Now, I'm not saying that the only thing athletes can do is entertain. No. See, sports is only about sports for those who go there for the entertainment. Sports is business. The National Football League and the NBA have two of the best revenue models that ever existed in any business in the world. I, I, I want you to understand that both the NBA and the NFL, during a time where it was the worst since the Depression, went through collective bargaining agreements. They stopped their business. They shut their businesses down. They shut it down. I, I, that's what I want you to understand. They shut the business down during the worst time financially than there ever was of my lifetime. They closed business. And they came back stronger than they've ever been before. Very few things in my mind are recession-proof. Sports, basketball, and football in the United States of America are recession-proof. Hospitals, recession-proof. I'm not even going to go into anything else. Those are two things that I can just think of. Recession or not, you go into the hospital, you go into the doctor. Recession or not, guess what? You're going to watch basketball. You're going to play basketball. You're going to watch football. You're going to play football. Now, it's time for this generation of black athletes in particular. There are $4 billion every year that come into the National Football League. Now, I'm not going to say that the, the number of players is, you know, can, can draw a direct parallel to, to the money. Because that's not true because quarterbacks make most of the money. But there is at least a billion dollars that goes to the black community and a very small number of young men that come into this world of sports. It's time for you to step up and be the Muhammad Ali's. It's time for you to step up and be the Jackie Robinsons. It's time for you to step up and be the Jim Browns. And that is to say that you're going to take your profession and you're going to leverage it in such a way that you make an impact on society. That's what they wanted you to do. That's what I want you to do. I don't want you to argue about who was throwing up and who was tired and who was sick and who caught the much, most touchdowns. and things. No, that's not important. What's important is how can we, and it's more than just going to schools and telling kids to stay in school and don't do drugs. It's, it's, it's more important for you to go into these communities and be examples today by owning and operating your own businesses. That's what you, you know why, you're, why you were successful as an athlete? You not only got a chance to hear somebody talk about 
a profession that perhaps maybe you could one day participate in. But they gave you a blueprint. They showed you how to do it. They did it with you. I think that's part of what the problem is, is that where are the people with the blueprints? Show up with the blueprints. The athletes got the revenue. Talking to the athletes now. Listen to those with the blueprints. Follow the directions. McDonald's got a hell of a blueprint. Best one in the world. Subway must not be too far. They've exceeded them in terms of the number of franchises. But the young black athlete today has to garner his resources, collaborate with others, and make a change in your neighborhoods. Don't let your neighborhoods fall down. It's obviously those neighborhoods have value their land. Supply and demand. They're not making any more land. <laughs> There's a, a, a supply here. It can be bought and sold, but they're not making anything new, not manufacturing any new land. So chances are that land, if it's an eyesore, they got intimate domain. Knock it down. Put something new up in your communities. Create new jobs. When you go to a team, go to those front offices. Get to know those people in, in those cities. The government. Go to planning commission. Find out where the new development coming in at. Where can I get in on a deal at? There's a, there's a more intelligent athlete today because information is being shared with the athlete today. Athletes of, of different generations, information wasn't always shared. You weren't always informed and prepared. Your black history as an athlete is what you get from your experience and how you use it to help others. That's the impact I want to see. I want to see today's African-American athletes contribute to society in such a way that they've never seen the impact of the sports. It should be equally as impactful as the things that Muhammad Ali did, the things that Dr. King did. When you've got billions of dollars coming through your hands every day, you shouldn't be in bankruptcy court anymore. You should come together should pull your resources. One thing about some of my Jewish friends, I remember, I know, one of my Jewish friends, two tickets, you got the Porsche, Ray. We, we worked together. He owned the dealership, I owned the tickets. I played the game, he sold the cars. We worked out a deal together. We're now, we're not enemies. It's the United States of America. And let me go to Jeremy Lin now. Welcome to the basketball court, my man in New York. Get her done. You're playing basketball. As long as you're on the basketball court and you're getting it done, I'm happy for you. Because, yeah, I know that if you're on the court in New York, you're one of the best in the business. I don't care if you're Asian, Japanese, Chinese, you're from Hong Kong. I don't care if you're from North Philly, South Philly, East, West. I don't care. If you're the best, we're paying to see the best, and you're in the starting lineup, and you're getting it done. Welcome to the fraternity. We're taking all applications. See, that's the thing about it. Black history is our history. And sports is different than anything else because we will accept the best. It's changed. It wasn't always like that. But again, this is my Black History Show, 
And I want to thank Muhammad Ali. He's the greatest of all time as far as I'm concerned. And he's a man that showed you what a role model is off the court. And I'm suggesting now that you can make an impact like never before. You can make a Muhammad Ali impact with your two, three, four billion dollars. Let's change these neighborhoods. Let's make a change, as Michael Jackson said. Hey, it's been great talking to you. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. This is my Black History Show, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.